You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Good evening and thanks for joining me here on this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and on tonight's show I'm out in County Limerick visiting Mary Fitzgerald at the award-winning Fitzgerald's Woodlands House Hotel in Adair. And Joe O'Connor from Truly Irish delves into the company's history and explains how the product portfolio has developed over the last 10 years. Then on the phone tonight we have Elaine Donoghue who reveals details about the programme of events taking place in Galway thanks to its European Region of Gastronomy designation. If at any point you'd like to get in touch with me here in the show, you can drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. So to start the show off tonight, we are going to the Fitzgerald's Woodlands House Hotel in Adair to have afternoon tea. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Miri, it's lovely to be back in the Fitzgerald's Woodlands Hotel in Adair. Thanks so much for having me. And today we're looking at afternoon tea. A lovely way to spend an afternoon. It is getting so, so popular. It's incredible, absolutely. On the Saturday before Mother's Day, we did 94 afternoon teas plus where we did the afternoon teas in the spa as well, probably another 25. It's amazing. So that's probably the biggest number we did in any one day, apart from a large group. But the popularity of it, and everybody loved it. That's the most important thing. And isn't it lovely to have the different options here in the hotel that people can come to the spa and have a lovely treatment down there and then enjoy it in the spa because you have a fabulous spa here or else up in the hotel you have a nice area in the lobby that, exactly. that you set aside every day for exactly. it. Exactly, and for, of course, they got so popular for baby showers as well. So we have uh, a number of private rooms. I suppose that's one thing about the woodlands. We have, we have so many pri- small private rooms and people can go into those private rooms for their baby shower. And uh, it's worked out really well and people are really happy. And I suppose the variety we have on the menu suits all ages and all tastes. And of course we do children's afternoon tea also. And your menu then features ingredients that come from your garden here at the hotel? Yes indeed, yes. So uh, all, our, all our greens and lettuces are all in the garden and sometimes we have beetroot, it depends, on, it's all to season. And our menu is done sort of only just about a month in advance reflecting what crops we have in the, in the, in the garden and also uh, what's seasonal. So like we currently we, we had a very lovely... Um, uh, menu for uh, uh, Mother's Day and for Valentine's and uh, we're, we're preparing now for uh, we are also doing a very nice menu for St. Patrick's Day and Easter of course menus with a twist to reflect the seasonality Absolutely fabulous, I think yeah. people appreciate that, that everything is so fresh and you can't get fresher than whenever it's outside your door and you have a fantastic pastry chef here so all your pastries and your scones are made in house Yes, everything we have, we've had uh, we have Carmen Colhan who has been with us since she was oh, a very young girl and has recently been promoted as the head of the pastry division, she has unbelievable flair, great ideas great taste and uh, uh, she used to have a market stall in Newcastle West when she was when her children were growing up, and she was only working part time with us at the time. But now that her children are kind of stuff in age, she's now with us full time. So we're really excited about that. And of course, her boss is her brother. 
her youngest brother, her younger brother, and her uh, sister also works in the leisure centre, the health centre. So between Magella asking Carmel to make protein balls and everything healthy, and uh, Dolan asking her to uh, come up with new ideas for afternoon tea, continuously developing our, our pastry products. So it works really very well, and of course her mother worked here as well. So. Uh, uh, they're a great family, and of course, in the heart of West Limerick, back from Kiliti. And it's a real family affair then, because, of course, there's a number of Fitzgeralds. All of you are involved in the hotel in some shape or form, so it's nice to see that there's other family units involved in the business as well. And they're just one of many of the many family units we have. We have mothers and, and two daughters. We've had a few different, lots of three generations working with us. So it's very exciting, and I, love, I really welcome to see the next generation coming along. And sometimes there are three generations of us working together, when Kerry's working with us as well so she helps us out she's doing a leaving cert this year so she's hoping to go to the hotel school in Shannon carrying on the tradition which will be very exciting for us as a family and isn't it great that generation then the skills that they bring along like the social media for example because I've seen Kerry at events here in the hotel snapchatting which I'd say maybe wouldn't be your forte I don't know how to do it so <laughs> she says Mary I'm going to, Mary they call me Mary I'm going to teach you how to do it well I said I don't really need to know at the moment when you're doing it it's fine for me because I know you'll do a really good job and you've plenty of other things to be doing I can see on the menu here your name is mentioned a lot so there's Mary's brown bread and there's Mary is there Mary's Berry Preserve and your Barnbrack so you've been making a lot of your own things from back in the B&B days exactly which is 41 years ago and of course I learned from one of the, the, the greatest baker in West Limerick or in County Limerick was my mother she was absolutely fantastic she was famous for her scones and as we started our B&B here and started off the hotel she was synonymous with the visit to Woodlands Mrs Ryan's brown scones she had a, she just had a certain way of making them that they were all so light and fluffy and so tasty as well. So I got my baking and cooking skills from my mother, but I was always interested in it. I love cooking and baking. And a day off for me is cooking at home for my family, which doesn't happen very often, I have to say. But like last um, uh, Monday, I cook bacon and cabbage, so it's our favourite dinner. And Kerry, that's something that she loves to do as well. She, she's, oh, she's a great she's baker a great as baker. well, yeah. And so is her mother and her grandmother, Esther, uh, O'Gorman, uh, God be good to her. She made the very, very, very best sponge cake, and her, certainly her daughter Orla knows how to do the same thing. Uh, they're great bakers, fantastic, uh, great taste, great eye, and of course, Orla makes incredible birthday cakes and uh, and desserts as well. When we have a party at their house, she excels always with something new and exciting for us. So Kerry has been picking that up from her and she helps her out all the time. It must be lovely when you look around and you see the business that you've built over the past 41 years, that your family's involved in it and that it's grown from the, the B&B that you had originally. Yes, as we see here during the interview, this is the original house we are here, which is the Brennan Room in the hotel now. But this is my original bungalow and it still has wonderful memories for me. And, uh, but I suppose the fact that my children are back working with me must be the greatest gift that I can have. And uh, I suppose they have helped me progress with technology and with new ideas. Uh, David and Ola, sorry, David and Elena went to the hotel school in Shannon and worked in Switzerland, America, England, uh, Brussels. So like they have they had loads of international experience and uh, then the other two boys that did business uh, studies in UL and they brought their own flares as well. Uh, uh, Connor is very interested in energy management and uh, uh, finding, I suppose, more efficient ways of 
maintenance and doing things that keeps the place looking well that we won't have to go back and repeat again so doing things very efficiently and also uh, Richard um, his forte was economics and uh, the figures so he looks after all the procurement and spent six months in Betty Malou so has great interest in food so I don't have to be worrying about that because my real interest in food and I can bounce off him all the time with what do you think about this because uh, he's a real foodie and really enjoys it. But we're all real foodies and they all have a great interest in food and nothing better than we enjoy an evening together going out for dinner and, uh, you know, I suppose comparing notes and trying different dishes and saying, oh, I wonder how would that work in Woodlands? We might often come home and try to be modified and put our own twist in it. And we're always open to new ideas. We travel, like to travel and uh, they always bring you great energy and uh, new ideas which is fantastic I interviewed Elena a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and one of the things that she said was that you're all working together but even outside of work you do enjoy spending time together as a yeah. family which yes. is a real blessing exactly you often see us all in Betty Bunyan there together you know and uh, we'll always try and eat together as well and uh, I have seven grandchildren of course Kerry's 18 now so she's older than the others, but uh, the pleasure of having them all together and their interaction with one another is so important. And you must really foster that from when they're very young. But they get up in the morning, they can't wait to be to meet one another. It's like they never before met. So it's it's a great trait, and I, I enjoy uh, that interaction of, of one another. Uh, it, it makes me very happy. One of the lovely touches here in the hotel are the wedding portraits mm. of all four children from their wedding days. Yes. And of course, weddings here in the Woodlands, you, you're you open 41 years. So now you have the children of some of the people that were married here. There's different generations. Like last on. Saturday, we had one now. Uh, the parents got married here 30 years ago. They were from Kildymo. So it was lovely. So I'd say we've had maybe at least maybe 10, if not more. And we have a good few coming up this year as well. So it could be 35 years a hotel this year so people would have been 34 35 um, you know maybe years married now so their children are coming along which is absolutely fantastic and we had confirmation here um, last week and the parents got married here they had all their christians all their communions and that was the last child for confirmation so uh, you know it means a lot to us to hear those stories because you know it means we're trying to do something right and we're often to lift the bar and improve it's, it's constant improvement and that's what I'm drilling into the staff all the time you know and never say no of course You've said that to me before, yeah. Yes, Very never important. say no, exactly. I was commenting to one of the team about your lovely cups and saucers there and she was saying that you have different types of crockery for different wedding packages. Tell us a bit about that's that. That's correct, yeah. We have, uh, uh, two years ago we sourced the gold, the gold crockery and, uh, and, 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 and gold cutlery just as we were starting to be coming into fashion but I knew it was a thing in the future so I went off around Europe and I, I sourced it in Portugal would you believe went off myself and uh, on my journey and found two lovely family businesses that are supplying us with that we now have uh, we've lovely, uh, we had lovely gold tablecloths we have uh, vintage lace cloths we now have silver cloths and the silver cutlery and we're now looking at bringing in um, maybe uh, rose gold cutlery. So we were over at a trade fair in London last week and we were looking at some more new ideas. So watch this space. 
Well, it must be so interesting if you look at what you're offering couples today to mm. what you offered them 30 odd years ago, that there's so much more choice and variety. And are the couples more demanding now than they were then? Well, I suppose they have more access to information and with Pinterest and all these other things that people have, they and magazines and there's more print media, even we say print media available online, I suppose, and they can look at it 24 hours a day, no matter what part of the world you're in. So that has really, I suppose, um, influenced people, that there's more stuff available to them at a reasonable price. Like I remember when Elaine and Miles got married, they got married in 2004. I was at that wedding. Yes, you remember it? Chair covers, but it's the first the time we ever saw the were, chair covers. Yes, were bought in especially for yes, it. Yes, yeah. we had been in Australia in 2003, and I had been in Spain at a conference in 2002, and I saw the chair covers there. And would you believe it that we had to go everywhere we went? We couldn't get 40 and 20. I'd say we must have brought the chair covers for their wedding, which was over 400, over 500 at the time. But we had get them. We had them made in England. We had them made wherever we could get them made. And of course, we had only a few bowls just for the top table because we couldn't get them. And my cousin from Australia came home and she made the bowls for the top table because they were a limerick green. But there were no bowls, and that's only what eleven. About 14 years 14 coming years up now. Ago, yeah. So like that'll just tell you the change, of course, they're, and they're now almost going out of fashion. And I remember that day that the, I mean, the hotel is always stunning, but on that day, the the vases that you had with the flowers, and because the colour scheme was the green, as you say, and there was the limes in the vases of flowers with the flowers in them, everything was just, the, the detail, the attention to detail was yeah. just out of this world. But, uh, you know, that's 11 years ago, and we had a buffet for the uh, for the um, starters, and then we served the main course, and then we changed the room around again for a buffet. And then we get, it's, a pretty, it's completely different than for Richard. And at uh, and Davis' wedding then, we had a, a barbecue outside. I think it was the first fine day we got, and they're married 20 years. So we're always experimenting with our own. Uh, family, so that's yeah. what we And you had a chocolate fountain at Elena's as well, because himself, of course, had to have a go at the chocolate fountain and dribbled it all down the dive when he was <laughs> only here five minutes. Big yeah. child that Exactly, he but yeah, so like we're always innovating, yeah. you know, so that's, that's how we're all, all of us went over to that that Hotel Olympia, that trade fair in London uh, last Wednesday. It only happens every two years. So Richard went to the technology department, uh, David went to the food department, and uh, myself and Elena then would have, and uh, and Richard, we would have worked. That Richard did the technology. We'd have, the rest of us would have worked through the other the other parts of the of the fair, and then we'd all meet up. We took our head chef down, and we took our food service manager, John Delivers, as well. So it's great to have the chat when you come home and say, "Well, what did you like? And what did you see?" It's amazing. We all missed something, but the other person picked it up. So which is great to have that interaction, you know. So. We were, we brought back a, a nice few ideas, so within the next year, we'd hopefully to be implementing them, and, you know, so. Your leadership qualities are very evident, and you're great to empower people in your team that then is a reflection on the quality of the business, and I think that's something that a lot of businesses aren't able to do. What advice would you give to somebody that is managing a lot of people that have a lot of employees? It's a huge task to let go. And I would have to say 20 years ago, when we opened the leisure centre, uh, you know, we, it, it was such, it was so difficult to understand the letting go um, as we had doubled our room stock 
uh, as a leisure centre, bringing leisure guests, people with different needs. Like it was not possible to have to hold such a tight rein, so you had to let go. But you must build the skill level in the people by courses and, uh, you know, uh, I suppose mentoring them and saying, right, this is so important that like the customer is always right. You must be organised, you must be ready, you must communicate with your team. So and you have to let go, but you have to build the knowledge within those people first to be able to let them loose. And you have to be confident to yourself that they know what's required, like the never say no scenario, and to understand that whole ethos of smiling face. And you know, you know, it's not about technical stuff, it's about common sense and being yourself. But you do need a certain amount of information and skill as well. But we did courses for people at the time to help them through that huge transition it was doubling the room stock and the changing the persona and the changing needs of the of the guests and now we have the millennials coming up and their needs are different completely again so we very much have a kind of a business of where we have three generations so our menu and timmy max i hope reflects people's tastes and uh, we are always very conscious of that and i got that idea i was in a cruise ship uh, about uh, 11 years ago and that's the first time I saw so many of the different, there was three and four generations traveling together. And that was kind of said, you know, this is the thing in the future. Uh, people my age uh, got married very young. So their children are young and they have grown up grandchildren and sometimes great grandchildren. So it's that three and four generations traveling together and that the older people have the interest in traveling. They also have the money. So this is what is really, I think, brought into my mind how I, set out my menus and how we balance it out and how we look after people. We must remember the end line who's the customer and the variety of customers that we have, you know, so. Well, you do it very well and your Thank team you. do it very well. It's always a pleasure to visit the Woodlands here in Adair and thanks so much for having me today and for talking to me. You're very welcome, Sharon. Look forward to talking to you again. Thank you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by the Taste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was talking to Mary Fitzgerald at the Fitzgerald's Woodlands House Hotel in Adair, County Limerick. If you missed that and you're just tuning in now, you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And it's also on the taste.ie website voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. Still to come tonight, Joe O'Connor will be sharing the 10-year story of Truly Irish, which started as a result of a collaboration between a number of pig farmers. But next tonight, we're going to the phone to talk to Elaine Donoghue. Elaine is the Programme Coordinator for Galway, West of Ireland, European Region of Gastronomy 2018. And if you're wondering what that is, Elaine will explain all. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Elaine, you are the Programme Coordinator for Galway European Region of Gastronomy. Tell us firstly, what exactly is a European Region of Gastronomy? So thanks, Sharon. Well, look, the first thing is the word gastronomy. I suppose that's what I always try to explain to people. Um, some people would not be familiar with it, others are, but gastronomy is really about food and culture. Um, and I suppose any uh, region that 
designated European Regional Gastronomy has real unique and strong uh, food culture or gastronomy. So uh, I suppose when you look at Galway and why it's being designated European Regional Gastronomy, um, you have to really stand back and look and look at what's there. Uh, as a region, uh, we have 689 kilometres of fabulous uh, coastline and marine life. We've over 12,000 farms, uh, over 350 restaurants in the region and two Michelin stars, uh, one Michelin bib. Um, so there's quite a huge um, interaction with food right from farm to fork. And I suppose when we looked back at the heritage element of our gastronomy, um, no matter where you look, you see old photos of uh, the International Hotel School uh, that was in Athenry, the old sugar factory in Tune, um, like all the markets around, across the city and county, you know, fabulous uh I suppose, heritage of gastronomy uh, for years and years. And we even have old pictures of the ladies on the Clara, uh selling fish and, and the history that goes behind that. Um, so I suppose for this year, because we've got the designation, what we really want to do firstly is celebrate um, our heritage and I suppose where we've come from, uh, the modern and diverse food, food culture we have in Galway today. Um, you can, if you look at even some of the statistics, uh, the city has over 19% of the population are not from Galway. And when you look across uh, our restaurants, look across some of our producers, even our cheese producers, um, they've come in from abroad and really brought uh, a unique I suppose, twist to our culture that's really modern now. Um, and it's quite different from where we came from, but really uh, brings that richness um, that's very important. So, um, yeah, we're delighted. I mean, it's such a... a uh, it's such a, an amazing thing to have achieved and um, it really it's, it's an award for the people and region of Galway from everyone from our, our youth to our teachers to our chefs to our producers and farmers. It really everyone can get involved and, um, you know, food is our common ground. No matter who you are, you can connect through food. You don't need language for food either. You can connect. So, um that food and that culture is so, so important for us for the future. Well, let's talk about the achievement of getting the designation, because I would imagine it wasn't a case of filling in a one page application form. What sort of work did you have to do to, to achieve the accolade? Um, well, a huge amount. There was, I mean, there were so many people that fed into it from the food community and beyond. Um, but I suppose the uh, in order to I suppose, get it across the line, in essence, um, a full book process has gone through. So uh, we have prepared a book that was in uh, that was about two years ago. Uh, the award was done in North Brabant in the Netherlands, um, literally um, around, it was St. Patrick's Day actually in the Netherlands, uh, two years ago that the, the bid and the award was given. But uh, you can look at our website, galwaygastronomy.ie, and you can see the full bid book uh, that shows where we set out, um, I suppose, our ambitions, set out the reasons why Galway should be designated, but also, I suppose, the ambition for the future, the legacy that um, that we wanted to leave. Um, and I suppose the team really summarised it all. It's from the ground up, feeding our future. So um, this was the ambition of the bid, and I suppose that really uh, showed the commitment of all the stakeholders to say, look, we really want to... Um, uh, I suppose, um, improve Galway for the future, use the designation to celebrate, but also to set out and sow our seeds for the future to decide, you know, how we want to be, how we want to operate, you know, what sort of infrastructure we want for the food industry and everyone associated with it, even from a health and education perspective. Um, so the bid book was one part of it. There was a big jury visit to Galway as well, um, where uh, I think there was about 12 on the jury panel. Uh, that would have come and assessed the region um, and actually made sure that what was outlined in the bid book 
really was in action in the region and what to be seen assessed all that. So, uh, God, we're delighted with it. And it's the first region, Galway, the West of Ireland, but the first region to have achieved this in Ireland. Um, so delighted to be able to hold the banner. And uh, we're hoping in the future more regions will follow and that it will really, uh, at a higher level, improve um, the, I suppose, uh, vision of what Irish food stands for and how excellent the quality and standards are, whether it's at a culinary end or at a farm level and, and the product that we produce. Uh, but Ireland, it does have a fabulous um, offering and, and just showcase that more on a European level and make sure we shout about what, what's great. You mentioned stakeholders there and so like No Man is an Island and GMIT, you mentioned Michelin Star Restaurants. Tell us about some of the people and the organisations that you have collaborated with to realise this um, accolade. Yeah, well, there's a huge uh, range of stakeholders. I suppose the executive team that um, I suppose steer the overall bid um, are made up of um, the two councils, both Galway City and County Council. Um, and I suppose the areas of their uh, those council areas that are looking at it is uh, community, uh, economic, rural development, uh, looking at all parts of the city and county and how they're going to uh, grow, progress, um and how communities are engaged. Then you have Chagas who are engaged at a farm level. And um, those Chagas do a huge amount of research around farm surveys, benchmarking. Um, they do a huge amount of work with um, even winter workshops with farmers around diversification, uh, work in the organic sector. Uh, they're heavily involved in the Economuse section where they're developing, uh, I know, uh, kind of our smokehouse, Graham Roberts business is an Economuse. They showcase how their product is made and people can actually visit their site. And there's another one opening in the Iron Islands. Uh, Gabriel Saharty has uh, the Iron Islands Ghost Cheese and they're opening an Economuse on the 24th of March. So Chagas support quite a lot at the primary level. So farming and advisory services and uh, research that they compare on an international level. And then we have GMIT who have um, really their, their culinary school uh, really at the fork end of the chain, uh, uh, big on education, health, uh, but also bringing a lot of culinary talent into our region as well. Um, so I suppose we have everything from Farm Fork, that's the, that's the executive group. And then under that, we have everyone involved from the public participation network, the HSE, uh, Joe Healy sits on the stakeholder group from the IFA, um, so we've engaged right across the board from tourism and Fodge Ireland to Board Bia to our local groups. We have some producers on the stakeholder group that have done, uh, I suppose, uh, workshops to, I suppose, uh, draw out what are the key things we want for the future for the producers and that that area of the industry. So uh, it really is. It's, I mean, it's it's not easy because collaboration takes time. Um, but I do feel that we're making some inroads and uh, while we have now put a good stamp on what the celebration aspect will be for 2018 we're now moving more into the medium term and long term so I suppose looking at what food can do for for the European capital culture for 2020 and then beyond so um, one of the projects that uh, from a legacy perspective that we're very excited about is the the Innovator Campus that has been um, the funding was achieved from Enterprise Ireland just before Christmas and I think in the last few days the letter has arrived confirming support but it'll be a 4 million euro investment uh, in Athenry in, on Chagas land but it's a project driven both by Galway County Council and Chagas so they really noticed even from the local enterprise side that there was a need for more um, expertise, production space, incubation space for producers to really develop innovation in the region and um that now has been has been given the go ahead, and I suppose the next stage will be to bring that through the planning process. But you know, in the long term, when that is built, there will be 
um, a full, I suppose, um, showcase centre. There will be incubation units and laboratories. Um, there will be high potential startup units and then areas for longer term projects that different companies can avail of, but also that we can run, uh, I suppose, best in class programme from uh, and plug in the technical expertise that these producers will need and won't have enough access to at the moment, you know. Um, we also have a food policy group set up that are, um, I suppose, doing a lot of public engagement at the minute, but looking at setting up the food policy for Galway, uh, which is really, really important as well. Um, and then just, you know, it's to set out that future. So we still have an awful lot more engagement to do. Uh, we hope to do that throughout the whole year and beyond. And uh, I mean, I suppose Rome wasn't built in a day. So it's very much about sowing seeds this year and making sure we, we know and have a vision of what we want for the future, for gastronomy as a whole, for the well-being of our citizens, right through to our producers, our farmers, our chefs, um, and to, to try to set that out as, as, as best we can and in as, as much of a collaborative way as we can throughout 2018. I think that's, um, you've said some really interesting points there, and collaboration is so important in terms of showcasing and highlighting what we have in regions throughout Ireland. And often a comment that I get when I'm involved in events is, I didn't know about that. Nobody told me about that. Despite our best efforts to talk about it on radio, advertising, having launches and everything. And people sometimes think that, you know, there's no opportunity for them to get involved but you're mm-hmm. always looking for people to come forward with their ideas to make yeah. contact and engage with you. How do they do that? What's the best way for do them that, to do yes. it? Yes, yeah, so literally that, um, as part of our programme launch, what we've said is that, you know, region and gastronomy at galwaycoco.ie is our central uh, communication point. You can send messages through our website, galwaygastronomy.ie. Um, it's very much Galway and the west of Ireland, so... While we started in Galway as a centre point, we hope to move out. I mean, Kong is on our flagship programme, uh, technically in Mayo, and um, we have some of the producers from the Burren uh, Food Trail signing up. Uh, so we plan to get this, uh, I suppose, expanded out because it's not just about uh, Galway, it's also the West of Ireland community around us because it's all in the, in the same I suppose, think, if you know what I mean. Um, everyone is in, in the same region together and it's very important that we do. But I mean, Rome doesn't get built in a day. It's very much about saying, look, let's build, let's layer, uh, whether it's a small event or a seminar, that's no problem. Uh, we had one recently in March on food waste uh, run by GMIT in the, in their hotel school. Um, so, you know, all these small steps make, uh, I suppose, things better for the future and uh, like when you do hear it's important that you do try to get involved and there's no such thing as a bad idea we've said that you know everyone has their own ideas depending on what area they're coming from everyone has a different angle uh, which is all rich contribution so it's very important that people try to contribute as much as they can um, and that we, we just build the future and literally I suppose we've, we've handled now very much on what 2018 is looking like and we have a certain amount of projects off the ground that will build into our legacy but it's very important that we get as many communities as possible involved and even around the county now there's been great uh, in, in embracing of this designation um, our heritage uh, officer Marie Mannion has uh, really taken it on board and they've set up a website um, that literally pinpoints all sorts of gastronomic heritage around the county they've over 1200 entries um, and literally everything from uh, old log books from shops to show what people bought at Easter and Christmas and at occasions to uh, old fish recipes from Connemara to documenting butter churns and the old history and stories from older people in the community. Um, so everyone can get involved. You don't have to be someone in the food industry. And then there's a school project in Milltown in Tune, 
which is now uh, their body of work has just been accepted into the um, Irish Folklore Museum. So, you know, that just shows you schools, like everyone can get involved in this designation no matter where where they fit into the food chain as such. Um, but it's just to get out and embrace it and then make most of it because it's such a great opportunity for the region. The flagship programme that you launched last week is jam-packed with a lot of those events that you mentioned there and food festivals are plentiful in the area, which is something that, you know, no matter what age you are, no matter if you're family, single individuals, there's always something for everybody at food festivals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's absolutely loads going on. So I suppose the one that pops to mind straight away is the Galway Food Festival. It's starting it's over the Easter uh, weekend. And I suppose um, while this has been an ongoing festival and they've been building year on year and strength to strength, this year they've really championed uh, the European Regional Gastronomy. They've taken the theme of planting seeds. So nearly everything in the programme links and weaves in with what the Regional Gastronomy is uh advocating and and they've been doing this for a long time but even now we're very excited that they have uh, tours out in the county so Beach Lawn Organic Farm is open they have an East Galway food tour where they're going to the Galway Hooker Brewery going to uh, a grower going out to see um, a beekeeper as well and get people out and about and see what's going on in the county as well which is super and they also have a good number of talks going on in the True Theatre and then obviously the Halabia which is a real um highlight of the festival where they're bringing the producers from the county the rural comes into the urban space in the Halabia um, and you can meet all the producers and, and taste and sample and buy what, whatever you'd like through that so it's just it's great to see existing festivals really taking it on board and then we also have some new new things going on so um, the Wild Atlantic Way Food Festival is a new festival out in Renville in the peninsula and that's in April um, the 9th to the 14th and everything from tours of muscle farms uh, how to make chocolate in Kylemore Abbey a reenacting of Bullocksia in Rainville House Hotel and demonstrations with Tim O'Sullivan um, and all sorts of things that they culminate then with a day-coast banquet so whether it's family whether it's uh, you're a foodie uh, whether you're just a person who likes the outdoors and wants to go out and see an oyster farm and see how, how it works uh, there's something literally for everyone there certainly is. And if anybody wants to find out more, where is the best place for them to go to? Um, so at the minute, uh, we have printed brochures and you can find everything through galwaygastronomy.ie. Also, we're showcasing out all the events on social media, but we will in the next few weeks have our full programme online. Um, and you can see what's on month by month and pick out what you'd like to go to and where it's on. So uh, we have our printed version at the minute, but we're almost there with our online version as well. So uh, we plan to shoot all that out on social media as we go. So follow us at Gastronomy 2018, uh, but also our website, galwaygastronomy.ie. Um, we'll have everything as well. Um, so no, very excited about this year. And rightly so, Elaine, congratulations on winning the accolade firstly, but on putting on a fantastic programme to showcase everything that you have there in Galway and the West of Ireland. And we wish you the very best of luck with it. Oh, super, Sharon. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by the Taste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. 
Welcome back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, Elaine Donoghue, Programme Coordinator for Galway, West of Ireland, European Region of Gastronomy 2018, explained what the designation means for the area and provided details about some of the events being staged this year. And earlier in the programme, I was talking to Mary Fitzgerald from Fitzgerald's Woodlands House Hotel. If you're just tuning in, you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And it's also on the taste.ie website, voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. So now we are at the last interview of the programme and it's with Joe O'Connor. Joe is the commercial director at Truly Irish Country Foods and I met him recently to find out about how the company started and how it's developed since it was founded. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Joe, Truly Irish is one of the best known companies in West Limerick. You make fantastic pork products and lots of other different products. But just tell us to start off with, how did the company come about? The the company came about in um, 2008. As you remember, at the time, there was a scandal with dioxin that went to feed for the animals. And a lot of the product, in fact, all Irish pork product was withdrawn off the shelves by the Department of Agriculture. But at the time, then, some of the very large brand names started saying, well, actually, while we have an Irish brand name, we don't have Irish pork in our product. And they remained on the shelf. So this was very clear then to the Irish pork farmers that people that they thought were supporting the industry, in fact, were buying imported product all the time. So after that, they set about setting up the truly Irish brand, which would be, as it says, you know, our name is our guarantee, guaranteed truly Irish product all of the time so that was the genesis of the of the company and of the brand and they started in 2009 then to launch um, sausages and rashers and black and white pudding and the first company at the time that would have supported it would have been superquin and they were very 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 good irish company and they were very supportive of the of the brand and they gave it a lot of space in the dublin market and after that, um, Supervalue, Musgraves were the next people to support the company and had followed in from Dunn's and Tesco. So it was a consortium of pig farmers that came together. Yeah, the, the, uh, in total, 85 pig farmers came together to form the company and we have 85 shareholders in the company. And they've been there from day one? They've been there from day one, from 2008, yes. Because uh, I think that's a huge achievement to get 85 people together in a room to come up with a plan to actually raise awareness about the quality of a specific product in Ireland it must have been hugely challenging for them well certainly um they they knew they needed to to put a focus on on Irish pork product um I'm was involved with the company at the time and I'm sure there's many and varied opinions about things but at the end of the day they came together to collaborate to, to to get the product launched and to launch the company. And the they breakfast meats then have grown uh, grown from that time and gone on to get uh, you know some relative good success in the market. 
In 10 years, there have been a lot of changes in consumer awareness. So, for example, chicken, I feel that most people I know wouldn't dream about buying any sort of chicken unless it's come from Ireland and they know specifically what farm, what farmer it's coming from. Pork has gone in the same direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it has been due to the work of the IFA in terms of uh campaigning for quality Irish pork product to be used and also with the board be a quality assurance mark that's on the product and if you look at the truly Irish product for example we have the quality assurance mark on the sausages on the rashers and on the um, on the bacon joints no no product no Irish black and white pudding carry the board be a quality assurance mark on on their puddings primarily due to the fat content in the puddings that, that, that that's a decision board B have made. But in terms of consumer awareness, people do look for the board B a quality assurance mark. And people do recognize that it is a genuine mark of quality that supports the best of Irish product. So it's very important when they're doing their shopping to look out for that. Oh, it is very important that, that you see some brands, um, place masquerading with Irish names but the one consistent independent quality mark across the market is the board be a quality assurance mark and even if that is is very distinct from products that would have maybe a label on it with a tricolor made in Ireland or packed in Ireland the board be a quality assurance mark is is is, is you know indicates that the origin of the raw material is from the Republic of Ireland. Yeah, I think it's hugely important when you're doing your shopping to pick the product up and look at it in detail, front, back, side, ingredients, where it's coming from, where it's packed, If because sometimes they kind of, um, they nearly jump on, okay, there's a certain amount of this happens in Ireland, so it might be packed in Ireland, but what's in the packaging isn't from Ireland. Yeah, this is, um, we have different other marks in the market that that like you have love Irish food and guaranteed Irish but they all have different um different rules and regulations around them and neither of those indicate total Irish product for example you have a a guaranteed Irish logo on on tea like the tea isn't isn't grown in Ireland you know so be that sort of made but to come back to truly Irish what our message is that any product we have is made up of totally uh, Irish raw material. Um, you might now, as the exception, get some small level of ingredient, for example, a pepper in the sausage. It's not Irish, but where the product can be sourced in Ireland, it is sourced in Ireland. So you've mentioned there the sausages, the rashers, the black pudding and the bacon joint. So a lot of breakfast items there and a natural progression then would have been to add other breakfast products to the range. It would. And, and it was something that, that, that we looked at. And in 2015, we launched a truly Irish old granola, which is made by a quality factory down in Wexford. And it has... It is. It has got Irish oats in it, and it's a very healthy, low sugar item, which which is is getting more and more popular, and and the demand, um, because uh, typically most granola would have about twenty five percent sugar content, 
and this one has 6% sugar content. So it's been recommended for people um, on a diet or watching their sugar intake or indeed if you if you have a level of diabetes and you're looking for an alternative um, to the mainstream product, it is a very healthy product. And that would be would be in a lot of super values throughout the country and, and the sales of that would be growing quite well. Um, we followed on from that then with a gluten-free uh, Irish porridge with added protein, which again is all Irish raw material. And that's again a good healthy product that, that is widely available in the market. Now porridge is something that we're very well known for in Ireland. So how do you compete against the bigger well-known brands? Well, we probably have a product that, that was, um, it's gluten-free in the first instance. And secondly, we've, we've got it with a level of added protein in it. Um, and the, this is something that's very popular with young, young athletes. And also for anybody of more mature years who, who has a requirement for protein, it's actually a really, really good product for them because you get about 20% of your daily required intake of protein in your porridge in the morning. So it, it, it's, it's set into the market to, to be a very functional product that, that aids your health and well-being. So on that, from that point of view, we don't particularly compete with the mainstream porridge on its own. It is, it is, it is a different product. Protein is something that I think people are becoming more and more aware about. And you have the latest product in the portfolio ticks that box perfectly. How did, how did tell us about that product and how it yeah. came on board? Um, the, the latest product we have is, is a truly yours uh, lactose free long life milkshake with added protein. I suppose we were looking in the market over over two, three years of market research, uh, which we did in conjunction with the um, Institute of Technology in Tralee and with on board BIA about where the trends in consumer foods and, and consumption are going. And certainly with, with a younger age group and with a, an environment of people to snack and a requirement for protein, um, it is not something, it is a portion of the market that's growing at about 20% per annum and we wouldn't have had a presence in it. So we set about um, designing and creating a product that would represent um, Irish produced raw material, Irish protein, and also with a shelf life um, up to six months that we could get the product exported um, as far as possible around the world to open up new markets for the company. Um, so that product was launched in November 2017 and we have three flavours in it, strawberry, vanilla and chocolate. And it's going quite well in the market and it seems to have got a particular resonance or, or people of, of an age group of 15 to 27, 28 that are active uh, seem to particularly find it an attractive product. The lactose-free element of it, people might say, well, it's a milkshake. How do you make a milkshake lactose-free? The, the product is, is declared lactose-free because we um, use a process called cold inoculation, in which case we add an enzyme into the milk in the processing, and that enzyme converts the lactose sugars into other sugars, and therefore, for people that it can be digested for people with a lactose uh, intolerance. So there's a lot of time and effort and investment and research has gone into this product. Oh, yes. Uh, in, in 
probably two years market research before we went to the factory, probably about nine months to a year in the factory doing many, many trials of production. And then we're testing quality assurance, taste testing, uh, the final design, the packaging. Uh, yeah, there was, there was a substantial investment in time, effort, and and the reference back to the consumer behavior and consumer taste as well before we launched the product. And speaking of the packaging, it's very specific packaging. It's very handy, easy to use packaging. Yeah, the packaging, it's a 220ml serving, but it's in a dispenser that's, to all intents and purposes, like the shape of a coffee cup, a disposable coffee cup. Uh, with a sippy lid on it and we have a seal underneath the lid that people take off before they consume the product. It's ideal for in terms of the portion size at 220ml, it's not not an enormous portion. It's got no added sugar in it and and it gives a a, a substantial amount of protein that is ideal before or after training for people to um, rejuvenate their body. And is it widely available in Ireland? Because I know you do, you have an online shop on your website, don't you, for all your products? We we, we have it we have it available online. We also in uh, have it available in Dublin in quite a number of super values and centres. And throughout the country and County Limerick, it's particularly well supported here by the, the super values in the county and by centres. And um, we're working on the distribution going north in the county. And we just have to constantly work with agents to get it, get it distributed. You also export a lot of your product as well as having the domestic market here in Ireland. Yes, we do. Um, we sell our breakfast meats into the UK through Ocado. So they stock the rashers and sausages and black and white pudding. And then we also export dairy product and we sell dairy product, butter and cheese under the Truly Irish brand name into the Baltic states and into Poland and into Hungary. And we also export uh, pork every week to Germany. Yeah, so you, you have a lot going on here at Truly Irish. Yeah, the, 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 the company is busy. Uh, it's good to be busy. Uh, we're all the time looking to, to expand the horizons for the company. Um, we're all the time looking to, to create value for our shareholders. And, you know, certainly it's a process, but we have, we have a lot of new products developed in the last few years that we have to sell and we're trying to focus on markets that will be consistent and with us over the next number of years. And sustainability is very important to you. You're a member of Origin Green. Yes, we're, we're a member of Origin Green since 2000, late 2015. Um, we're, we're currently renewing our, our membership and renewing our plans. That's a Board B initiative. It's, it's, it's a Board B initiative and they have a marketplace 2018 in April of this year in, in, in the RDS, which is a sustainability sourcing summit or purchasing event that, that they are inviting buyers from all around Europe to, which we will attend. Um, but the key is that we look at all our processes with the factories and so far as possible, cut down the energy usage, the water usage, the waste generation, and to work towards a circular economy that that we are not using the resources, um, we're rather only using resources in a sustainable way in the production of our food. Well, congratulations on 10 years to date. Here's to the next 10. And if people want to find out more about the company and to, to buy online in the shop, what's the web address that they should go to? The web address is 
www.trudyirish.ie or indeed if somebody wants to email us about anything um, office at trudyirish.ie for any emails the easiest way to contact us fantastic Joe thanks for talking to me today okay thank you Sharon bon appetit yummy grubs up delicious mmm and that brings us to the end of tonight's programme Thanks again to my guests this evening, Mary Fitzgerald, Elian Donoghue and Joe O'Connor. I'm back next week at the same time, all being well. So until then, bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. To get in touch with The Best Possible Taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org. As in, Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit.